Hey everyone, welcome to welcome to Group Thinkers. Uh, I'm your host Justin McCord. With me uh, now, as always, is Ronnie Richard. Ronnie, who's who's made a permanent space uh, in our little apartment complex here, and uh, and today on today's episode, on this episode, um, we're transitioning. This is a little bit of a transitional uh, conversation for us, and so we have spent. Uh, all of our sixth season talking about Gen X and used uh, RKD Group's Gen X research as the foundation for some really interesting conversations um, around Gen X. And uh, and so it's clear based off of those conversations that one, everyone's trying to, uh, to find younger donors um, and that, that no one's quite figured it out, right? Um, Ronnie, anything else that stood out to you just before we make this this wonderful transition? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, first, like, I appreciate being a part of this last season. It's been a lot of fun meeting a lot of, you know, different guests that we've had. And, and they've, they've offered so many different perspectives, I think. And, and a couple of things that kind of stood out to me, you know, in talking about Gen X so much and younger donors was that, like you said, everyone's trying to reach them. And we kind of uncovered that younger donors or the younger Gen X and millennials are, they're, they're interested seemingly in a lot of like social movements and influence and then those sort of things. And more so than, than maybe like financial donations. And, and so it's like, how do we, I don't know, maybe we've kind of uncovered something a little bit of how do you tap into that and how do you connect with younger donors and, and younger, I mean, you know, like 45 and under. Right. Right. No, I think it's, it's, it's an important relevant conversation um equally as relevant as we transition now into our seventh season of group thinkers is uh is thinking about something that's incredibly topical um it's uh it can be heavy at times and so that is the supply chain and uh the you know the global supply chain but also the supply chain's impact on nonprofits so throughout this seventh season you're going to hear from uh, folks in the nonprofit space, uh, from the leadership side, from the production side, from the economics side, uh, you know, so trying to think through the entirety of the supply chain and, and how the, you know, the current state is impacting nonprofits. And so we wanted to launch off with a conversation with the K in RKD. Uh, our very own Tim Kirsten, CEO of RKD Group. Tim, how are you this morning? Well, I'm feeling included, um, and it's really nice because you all this talk about Gen Xers, and it's like I'm I'm a baby boomer, and and don't forget the baby boomers. And you haven't, you've invited me on on our podcast, and I appreciate the uh, the measure of uh, respect. Uh, that that uh, I'm accorded um, for that, uh, given the big emphasis on Gen Xers, who I love. So anyway, in all yeah. seriousness, it's it's going to be. You're good. definitely included. You're definitely included, and and it's it's a great topic for uh, for you to be a part of the conversation on, uh, because you have spent a lot of time thinking about it, and uh, and diving into it to understand it and just keep an eye on on how it impacts the nonprofit space. In fact, uh, for everyone listening or watching, um, if you open up a browser and go to RKD Group 
Facebook.com and, and check out our blog resources. Uh, you'll see a blog recently published from Tim uh, about the supply chain. So just kind of framing the conversation, um, you know, I think about the, the first time where I started to really process the supply chain's impact on my own life was in the toilet paper and uh, disinfectant wipe crisis of, you know, March and April 2020. But right. but since then, there have been a couple of other interesting supply chain uh, notes, even even over the summer, um, as my family and I were driving from Texas to to the Gulf part of Florida and stopping at restaurants where they did not have any chicken dishes available because there was a chicken shortage at the time reaching some of the southern parts of the United States. And so these are kind of like odd inconveniences, but there's a real impact of the supply chain and there's a real impact of how it ultimately affects uh, uh, nonprofits. Tim, share with us a little bit of the insights that you captured in, in your blog. Well, I'd like to say uh, something that I've told our team is that um, we are all in the same storm. We're all in different boats. So if you're a restaurateur or if you're a big bank, uh, Bank of America or City, whatever, mailing millions of credit card applications through the mail, you're in the same storm. It's just different boat uh, impacting you differently. So the nonprofit community is in its own boat. And companies like ours is is in 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 the same boat and experiencing it differently, and um, so what what we're seeing is um, uh, delays in some not all mailings, uh, and and we are we're seeing a struggle uh, with our vendors. Uh, the biggest adhesive and label manufacturer in the world is our partner, and they're struggling because of the I I didn't know that adhesive material. Um, is, is derived from petrochemical products, which were in the petrochemical plants in southern Texas, were frozen out last winter. And so there are uh, there there's there are numerous shortages, and um, and then the the raw paper and the pulp factories, paper mills have shut down, or have decided just like magically that this would be a great time to rehabilitate their plants and re-engineer them or or do scheduled maintenance and things like that and so it really is a perfect storm of a whole bunch of things happening and of course covid is the umbrella over all of it where you have uh, covid has has produced problems in shipping and and in transportation truck transportation uh, staffing uh, all sorts of facilities from the actual paper manufacturers to print shops to <clears throat> mail shops and so forth. So it's um, <clears throat> everybody is feeling it in different ways. And, and we are, our, our clients are definitely seeing it. It is not a, uh, the sky is not falling, but for some, the sky is a bit cloudier than we would prefer. And uh, it's, it's, it just depends on where you're sitting. Uh, how big your organization is, what's the nature of your communication plan, and so forth. So there's a lot of variability within that. But clearly, anybody who watches and stays in touch with the news knows that there is a global supply chain challenge. You're wanting to buy a used car, new car, or something with microchips. It's it's going to affect you. So here we are uh, from a direct mail standpoint. Of course, RKD has a large uh, digital practice, and but 
um, and we can get to that in a minute, but direct mail still is the backbone of individual fundraising for nonprofit organizations nationally. And so it, it, it's having an impact, and um, we do have some thoughts on how nonprofits should respond to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not one point in the supply chain. Right. Like there, there are um, blemishes in each point, right? So whether or not that's from the raw materials to the getting the raw materials to a place to manufacture something, whether or not that's adhesives or just paper, and then, you know, getting that to the production facilities to turn it into our envelopes or into our labels or into our letters and uh, and then you go from there into the uh, the United States Postal Service slowing down delivery times uh, right. which you know the the you know postage went up at the end of August and the the um, the announcement or the rollout of intentional slowed deliveries uh, and starting at the beginning of October just another layer of complications. And this is all just to get something into the hands of, of donors. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that adds up to just getting into hands. Then you got to think, okay, well, mailing something back is that, you know, that has potential delays. Uh, and, and so the impact on caging facilities and then getting into profits, uh, into their bank streams from a cash flow standpoint, it's, there is significant, kinks in each part of this chain no no no, no question about it uh, justin and you know i, I think the uh, and the thing you didn't mention i don't think you did is inflationary pressure you know where paper prices have gone up six times in 2021 even if your if your mail program isn't uh, you know um, disrupted because a lack of paper adhesives or whatever you're still going to be ma- paying more for um for your paper and you're going to be paying more for postage and it's going to go slower. So that's, that's the sort of fits the category of uh, paying more for less. And that is, in fact, we're actually seeing it in, in uh, some consumer package goods where the package size is the same, but the actual amount of content, you know, but I, I digress. I shouldn't be talking about my, my chips Ahoy package. So um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very concerning. There's simply no doubt about it. I mean, our KD group, we focus on providing maximum net revenue for our clients over a long period, long-term net revenue. We're all about delivering value uh, for our donors. And so, because we know that's that's what funds programs and that's what keeps the lights on. And so it's this is really serious for nonprofits to, to make sure they have the, the operating income they, they need to keep going and so that's that's our passion that's our commitment and so we're partnering with our clients to help them navigate this this challenging time and you know um you know one of our first points of recommendation for our clients is is uh not to pull out of the market and i'm going to go back to my baby boomer credentials if you'll forgive me but you know when you've been been walking around on this planet for as many years as i have you get sort of this long view of history and you've been through stuff before and you've seen ebbs and flows and and um, you've seen peaks and troughs and you come through them and you know just in every in over the the course of my career every time that there has been some sort of sort of shock to the system in the united states 
where where nonprofit mailers go, oh my gosh, we got to stop mailing or we got to cut back. The, the the same answer. I, I remember 9-11, you know, 20 years ago this fall. And, um, you know, it, that was in my prior life consulting and so forth. And a lot of nonprofits were saying, oh my gosh, we should get out of the market. And some did. And I said, no, no, stay in the market, stay in the market, stay in the market. And they did. And we saw that in 2008. We saw it a few years ago. And the nonprofits that have, have stayed in the market and innovated and found new channels, new avenues, new ways of talking to their donors and, and, um, and reaching their donors have succeeded. And uh, that's the most important thing. Even if a mailing is going to be late, uh, and we, we know that, that uh, you know, nonprofits are experiencing some delays, and I talk to other, other folks in the business outside of our company, outside of our client base. And um, it's better to have something in, in your donor's mailbox from a direct mail standpoint than nothing. It's, it's, and it's better to be a few days late than not at all. And so that's, that's our first piece of, of uh, advice is to stay in the market. Um, Tim, this all, it, it actually all seems a, a little scary, but it, it also is, you know, you referenced earlier, you used the analogy of a storm. And so I think that it, it's probably important for people to also understand that, you know, when you're in a storm, for some people, it's just a sprinkle and for others, it's a deluge. And so no matter where you find yourself in that, on that spectrum, right, uh, and the coverage that, um, that paying attention to it and, uh, and not overreacting, as you're saying, are really keys to uh, maintaining strong relationships with your donors, which has got to be the number one focus. Well, not only strong relationships with your donors, but don't stop acquiring new donors. And this is, and we have seen this sadly, is that in in the you know it gets scary, and then we've seen nonprofits, and we've seen this pre-COVID. Okay, we we have seen some major nonprofits that, for one reason or another, thought that strategically it made sense to stop acquiring new donors and and channel the money into into other channels and so forth, and it didn't turn out well. And and so our counsel also is to uh, keep mailing your acquisition packages. If you have strong control packages, and we have seen incredibly strong acquisition results throughout COVID, last year, this year. And so um, if the paper supply challenges uh, might cause a mailing to go out a bit late, I know there are, are, are blocked times with list rentals, you may have to negotiate or whatever, but but stay in the market, stay in the mails, keep acquiring donors because well, we've all seen the charts. If, if, you, if you look at a, a, a three-year trend line in a nonprofit or five-year, and, and you see some dip in donor income and quantity, well, you're, you're going to trace it back to when you stopped your acquisition program. You have to stay in the market, both with your donors and with acquisition. So cutting acquisition, bad. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's amazing we have to keep saying that, but we do. We, we need to keep saying that because it's something that, especially I think a lot of, uh, a lot of nonprofit leaders get, um, they get pressure at the board level. Right. Right. around that topic and yep. so you're constantly looking for lessons and uh and ways to to remind that um so uh so then cutting is bad so then what should nonprofits do 
Well, um, one, um, and, and, and I'm not sure this is quite the answer you wanted because uh, this is more a strategic issue. I think one of the greatest problems with nonprofit organizations that have substantial or any, for that, any, let's say successful, effective direct mail program is the, the board, uh, very often very bright, successful people, wonderful folks, but they don't understand the mathematics of of, uh, of direct mail fundraising acquisition and cultivation. And so it, if you only focus on the expense of it and not on the, on the revenue side of the ledger, then you're going to be making bad decisions. So uh, the time to educate your board is now uh, on, on the importance of the this sustaining this lifeline of of cash donations from individual donors uh through thick and thin uh, up and down you just have to stay in the game and so you've got to bring your board into the conversation um before there's a crisis but during a crisis as well and and you know the old adage of the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago uh, the, the next best is right now so plant trees and plant more trees with your board so in in terms of um what should nonprofits be doing um they should be communicating authentically the truth to their donors and um there, there are a couple dimensions to this beyond just pure sort of direct mail strategy of how, how do you navigate um uh the you know the the paper shortage um we've been challenging don't our, our our nonprofit clients to to think about well how is the supply chain crisis impacting the service delivery for their organization if their costs are going up well that's actually a message that can be can and should be conveyed in in all channels of communication social media um uh, e e email, um, uh, direct mail, everything. What's the story of the nonprofit organization? How are they being affected in real time right now? And what might be impeding their ability to deliver on their mission? Well, if costs are going up and, and, and they have to buy more things because they're not being donated, all those kinds of things, you should talk to your donors about that and put it in front of them. And it's remarkable how they will respond. Um, the the other thing is to be flexible in terms of if there are delays, uh, changing mailing dates, um, um, think about different packaging. If you can do that um, at the last, you know, if you have been planning on using mailing labels, well, if you have a successful package that works pretty well without mailing labels, then just don't do the mailing labels and do the package and revise the copy accordingly because something is way, way, way better than nothing. So you, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good enough in an environment like this. And um, in sometimes, a nonprofit might actually want to invest more in direct mail at this time. It seems counterintuitive, but we know that some people have pulled back. Some nonprofits have pulled back. And um, again, staying in front of donors and prospective donors is a very wise thing to do. So depending on your circumstance, budget constraints, you know, those kinds of things, it might actually help to um, ramp up some efforts. And, um, you know, adjusting the channel mix is the most obvious thing, but it's actually a little more difficult to do than we think, because um, especially as we're now in the fourth quarter and this is prime time for fundraising and so forth, and and reallocating um, some some budget dollars, some direct mail to um, uh, digital or DRTV, um, 
th that looks good on paper, it's it's hard to move those needles in those processes, you know, at, at warp speed in an environment like this or in any environment for that matter. But there are things that can be done. But I, I will say, you know, go back to going back to the analogy of when's the best time to plant a tree. Um, we'll just uh, apply it to when's the best time to optimize your digital program. Well, it is um, it's like yesterday. Uh, we actually saw this with a big hurricane that hit Texas and Houston area in the Gulf Coast uh, several years ago. One of our clients there had done great work partnering with us on optimizing their their web website, their their digital presence, and they were able to uh, harvest uh, amazing, amazing uh, a number of gifts. And then it happened again with COVID, just an outpouring of support to that nonprofit. Uh, because they were ready to receive. And if your web presence, if your digital presence is not strong, if it's under-optimized, if it's clunky, the user experience is bad, then you're going to be hurting yourself. So you've got to get that up to speed because we live in an omnichannel world and people are going to go where they have the best experience, where they're comfortable. And so it's not all about direct mail, though that is still the workhorse. It's about every other channel and uh, shifting your channel mix if you can in, in a time like this. So I, I mean, in, in summary, it kind of sounds like a lot of the same advice that, you know, we were given to nonprofits during the start of the pandemic, you know, be sure to communicate, over communicate, be flexible, you know, adjust where you have to, but don't pull out of the market. And we saw a lot of nonprofits have success with that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a little bit like a broken record, uh, you know, in this, in this particular context, um, it, it, there are wrinkles to it that make it difficult. Um, we know there's an envelope shortage out there. Okay. Well, what do you do with that? Um, what one thing that we're, we're seeing clearly is that the timelines for planning campaigns and ordering materials. I mean, we, we have ordered materials many, many months in advance, you know, for the fall, fall season. And, and uh, there are still some challenges. And, um, you know, we're buying further in advance and reserving, re reserving time on, on, on presses and reserving paper and so forth for well into the spring because the experts say that this is going to persist into 2022, well into 2022. So, but it, it can be mitigated and managed by just advanced planning, strong relationships with, um, with partners, vendors, uh, suppliers, and so forth, <clears throat> which is one, you know, we're grateful in our company. We are, we're a major, major mailer in the U.S. And, um, and so having those kinds of relationships, we're very well positioned. And we've got a great team. So, yeah, the the communication factor you just can't ignore. How many ills that doesn't solve for, but it can at least provide some salve on top of you know whatever that ill might be. And so, um, Tim, I, I you know I appreciate you um, chatting with us. I, I appreciate your your leadership in staying on top of this and helping you know helping us as a company navigate through this, but also just the challenge to other nonprofit leaders to be aware and to be proactive, whether or not that's being proactive with their teams, with their partners, with their board, that, uh, that you know, that proactivity and staying in front of it is, is probably going to help us weather 
whatever the storm looks like as it as it comes. Yeah, and every storm eventually passes and the sun breaks through. And that's the going back to sort of this long view of history. And you go, okay, well, we made it through that. And yeah, it's a little bumpy right now. And um, but we'll emerge on the other side of this because there's a lot of uh, it's interesting. This actually, um, you know, the question is always out there. Well, isn't direct mail dead? Well, if direct mail was dead, then people would be a lot less concerned about the supply chain crisis and the impact on, on paper and the postal service, right? Now, this is really important. Direct mail is really, really important. It is not dead. It's not going away any anytime soon. Um, yeah, we have to weather this storm, but there are a lot of there's a lot of alignment across the supply chain from paper, paper suppliers to printers and so forth. Everybody wants to do the right thing and do well and help one another. There's a, a, an amazing amount of cooperation and collaboration now going on in, in supply chain issues in, in our world, printers and mailers and so forth, because everybody has an interest in the continued success of, of uh, not only the, the commercial side, but the nonprofit organization. So a lot of really smart people really focused in and managing through this and we will get through it and we'll look back on it someday and we'll go that actually made us better in fact we have learned internally through some of our process uh, evaluation in, in light of this we've had some you know we're a breakthrough company that's what we stand for is achieving breakthroughs never thought possible and um, if you every crisis is an opportunity to learn and grow and we have done that our clients have done that and so uh, the sky's not falling it's a little cloudy here and there, but uh, the breezes are freshening and, and they will. It'll be sunshiny again soon. Tim, love your uh, love your optimism. And uh, and so thanks for for chatting with us. Thanks for sharing your perspective, uh, helping us frame up the conversations that we're going to have over the next few weeks and months as we keep an eye on and, you know, really kind of dig into and uncover this uh this important topic from multiple different angles and so uh you know this episode of group thinkers is is obviously going to be available uh in all podcast formats but then as we go the entire series the entire seventh season it's going to be available on rkd group's website rkdgroup.com you can go there find not only episodes of the podcast but other resources and uh yeah i think i think that's it I think that's it for today. Tim, thanks again for, for joining us. Thanks to you and Ronnie. Good being with you. All right. We'll see y'all. See y'all down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers. 